Here we go. And a three, two, one. Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, coming to you on Friday. It is May something or other, May 20, so it's in the 20s. May 26th, and uh, right off the bat, I uh, want to apologize for I apo- yesterday's. No, I apologize for nothing. It was performance art, Andy. <laughs> Not everyone is brave enough to take the fine people of the Western Exterminator Company and mix them into... A podcast didn't work. I was going to say it wasn't apparently, uh, it was annoying. Apparently, apparently not, every, not everybody is brave enough, and nobody's actually good enough. Right. It was our revolution number nine. It wasn't a success. Um, so we're going to try again uh, yes. with the Kamenetsky Brothers podcast. Uh, and uh, you know, it's 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 good that we will do it because there were there were certain things that happened yesterday that we did that we didn't get a chance to talk about or we forgot were going on. National Wine Day, for example. Uh, perhaps we'll touch on that today. Um, but anyway, so if you're listening again, thank you. If you missed the first go round, um, we're trying again. And the big news, of course, and it's it is this actually is slightly different than it was yesterday. Lonzo Ball, the news yesterday, Andy Thursday was that he's not going to work out for Boston. Danny Ainge confirmed that, and he said it wouldn't necessarily keep the Celtics from taking Ball. But it's very clear that Ball is trying to avoid Boston so that he can come here. Right. Um, interestingly enough, though, now news is is breaking. Uh, league sources telling uh, Chris Haynes of ESPN that the that Lonzo might work out for Philly, who has the third pick in the draft. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a, a couple things there. First of all, I mean, it's actually I think Team Ball hedging their bets against, you know, the idea that there is a chance the Lakers may not take Lonzo Ball. People are, I, people are saying. People are, many people are saying. Right, and, and I, frankly, the Lakers should not have made up their mind already. I mean, they, they're, there is this period for a reason. They should be doing their homework. They should be trying to get as much information as possible. And, and this front office is not collectively experienced enough to have already made up their mind on a player that basically isn't LeBron. There's no point in it. Right, I mean, it. That makes sense. But it, it, there's no point in having a decision a month before you have to make the decision. Yeah, it also, too, could maybe reflect uh, just Team Ball not wanting Lonzo and LeVar and the whole gang looking like this big of a-holes before they even enters the league. Well, it's it's also, too, you're right, because if you refuse to work out for any other team and the Lakers decide not to take you, which is possible— I, I still think we can talk about you know the, the the signs and the writing on the wall. And Magic had some comments on our air about Lavar, which we'll play in a second, and all that kind of stuff. But it, it's even if you think it's seventy thirty that the Lakers take Lonzo, thirty still happens, right? Like if you anybody's played poker knows that a thirty percent chance of something happening is a real thing, and so you you have to prepare anybody who right. paid attention to our election. Knows that there whatever you odds you're given, are something else can something happen. else can happen, and so I, I, you're right. You don't want to look like you are freezing out the rest of the NBA. Um, it is interesting that you know now you start to wonder, well, why you know does he not want to go to Boston because he thinks Boston's too good? Because he thinks it's more likely they might trade him? Because I mean, that, which is also a possibility. You go to Boston, Boston takes you and packages you like Andrew Wiggins in to get Paul to get, George, right, to get Paul or, George, or Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler, or whatever it might be. So you're not, you don't really have control over it. Whereas the Lakers feel more likely to keep the pick based on comments that Magic's made and all that kind of stuff. I didn't say guarantee. No, 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 but no. Absolutely, feel more likely to keep Lonzo if they take him. So that might have something to do with it. Philly. Not probably not going to trade him either. I'll just float him. this, and and this comes from no knowledge whatsoever. Sources just, far from the situation, sort, as I like to say, sources far from the situation. This is just me sort of theorizing and thinking about the the triple B brand and and the man at the helm, Lavar, and his personality. I could picture that not playing well in Boston. Yeah, big brash black man running his mouth the way he does, trying BBBM. to take on the system uh, in Boston. Just saying. I'm not saying that th- that's the thought process. I'm just saying if that entered LeVar Ball's head, wouldn't shock me. I'd even go so far as to say can't necessarily blame him. Yeah, I mean, I can picture sure. I, I can I just... picture the LeVar Ball 
act. So what you're saying playing is playing better in <laughs> other cities than Philly say, is a little more naturally combative in that in that sort of way. Too. Sure, but what you're saying Andy, is that Boston may not be the best place for exactly outspoken black guys. Yes. Okay. For example, <laughs> I'm. That, I'm just saying that's a question that's the, been it's been questions raised in the news lately. The, the thought popped into it, my mind, no, and a, again, this is based off nothing. Right. In the in I. Lavar is interesting too. I mean, for a lot of reasons, but Lavar this week is interesting because the news on him is really not so much about this stuff. This is more Lonzo, and you haven't heard from Lavar as much. Whatever, it's the fallout from last week and the whole Fox and the Coward interview and the Christine Leahy thing, um, and the response from the Big Baller brand. <laughs> and this, I was. Is because you know the controversy. He says, you know, Christine Leahy starts asking about shoes, and he says, "Stay in your lane." You know, won't look at or whatever. Generally uh, seen by most people as, at the very least, dismissive, probably sexist, which I agree with. Some people are calling it misogynistic. I don't know if that that might be. But either way, sexist and dismissive and rude, um, generally accepted by most people. Well, also, too, I mean, this is what I found. What I found most interesting about that interaction with uh, LeVar Ball and, and Christine Leahy is a lot of what LeVar Ball does. You know, he is playing up who he is. He's doing sure. an exaggerated version of his actual personality. And he's really, he is taking on the persona of the professional wrestling manager. You know, he's Lou Albano, well, he's he, Jimmy and, Hart. And not, to, not I don't mean this in a political way, but he, strategically he is sure. very Donald Trump in right. the sense that you, you apologize for nothing. And if someone thinks 100 is too much... You do 100. Right. No, no. He, like Donald Trump, he leans into controversy. I mean, yeah. that is what LeVar Ball does. And he's a brander. But, but, and he's a brander, but there is an element of shtick to a lot of what he does. The interaction, though, with talking Christine, about LeVar or the president. <laughs> take your pick. See <laughs> what I did there. Take your pick. Um, go on. But the interaction between LeVar and Christine Leahy felt like one of the few times where you've seen LeVar drop the act altogether. Like that oh, felt yes, that real. Was personal. That yeah, he felt like real it. and personal, and in that sense, I he didn't handle it well. Yeah, I think, and I think because this isn't even what I was like. That's bring what up. I found most right. telling. I about think it. Levar is sexist in an old-fashioned women kind of have their place, men have their their kind of place. I don't think he hates women. I think he you know respects women, love you know respects his wife, puts her on well, all that, whatever. I just think he's got in like Ramona's article, Ramona Shelburne's article. She kind of talked about it in the same way. He just has an old world mindset of that kind of thing. But anyway, yeah, some they, people call that old world mindset sexist. No, I, I, I think he's. But there's a difference between sexist and misogynist. I think you know. But either, that that's not the point. Point is, this week he turned around, and the big new thing, the big new item on the Big Baller Brand website, is a T-shirt that says "Stay in your lane." Now, that's a great T-shirt. It kind of is. I don't condone what LeVar did last Neither week. Neither do I. LeVar, as an interview, as a statement to people, not good. Bad bad look. T-shirt, great look. Well, just it's actually, if, I mean, if you take it's the, the best context-free. But particularly, just, just, context just a T-shirt a that says, stay in your lane. That is easily, and it's not even close, it is easily the best piece of clothing on that website. I I'm including the agree. shoes and the $200 flip-flops. Um, interestingly, the the shirt or the tank tops, because they're actually selling them to women as well, not $495. No? How much are they? Uh, I believe $60, That's which is still pricey. pricey. I mean, uh, you know what? LeVar Ball is sort of like, he's like the Sasha, Sasha Vujicic of clothers. Because yeah, like Sasha Sasha's has wine. two wines. They're both really they're expensive. expensive. Sasha's least expensive bottle of wine is $75. Right, and he's not a Rothschild. You know, it's not like you 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 have a century old, you know, centuries of trust in the Vujicic name when it comes to, you know, winemaking. As you know, I've been watching these grapes for years. Right, it's, that's not it. That's these just grapes Sasha. grapes have been part of the Vujicic family. That's just Sasha slapping an expensive price yes. on his wine. He also sells olive oil now, too. Yeah, well, you know. I saw a guy at Rams camp the other day. I was out there who looked exactly like Sasha driving a golf cart. <laughs> and I was, I was briefly concerned, but then I was like, oh, wait, no, it's not him. He's still, he's still got another year, I think, in New York. As long, I think, as long as Phil and Rambus are with the Knicks, Sasha's going to be employed because there's got to be one person who understands the triangle. Right. Sasha <laughs> is Phil's James Jones. 
That's basically it, right? Well, I mean, look, there that's are, what it is. If, yeah, I mean, because is James Jones older than LeBron or younger? He's older. Uh, I think he's older. Right, James Jones. If LeBron plays until he's forty, James Jones can play until he's like forty-three. Absolutely, just go wherever he goes. I mean, there aren't there aren't really any guys in the league anymore who are actually legit familiar with the triangle. It's basically Sasha and Powell, and Powell is not going to the Knicks. He loves no. Phil. He's James not going Jones to the is Knicks. thirty-six years old. Yeah. So that that's he's, a, James Jones is going to retire with eleven rings. <laughs> <laughs> there are going to be debates between him and Bill Russell. <laughs> Count the ring, man. <laughs> that's true. That's how we play this game. <laughs> anyway, that's a good comparison, and, and I agree. As much as neither one of us, life, uh, neither one of us condone the Lavar Ball behavior. Context free. That is a good shirt. That's oh, a fun. Oh, it's fantastic, and it's the best thing on that website. Um, but let, let's talk a little bit about this notion. Like, neither one of us are are inside the building to to talk. And I, quite frankly, even if I was right now, I wouldn't take a word what they were saying seriously. Um, but they are there. They are the Lakers are certainly actively spreading the word that it's not a guarantee that they're going to take Lonzo because it makes no sense for them strategically to make it sound like it's over. If you you know if you maybe if you want to trade up, maybe if you want to have so people are curious as to why. One of the questions that always comes up is Lavar and um, Magic Johnson addressed that on one of our shows. I think it was on the afternoon show with Kelvin and Marcellus this week. I don't look at any parent when it comes to a professional league that will be a problem. We've always had parents who love their sons or daughters who play in, you know, professional golf or basketball, whatever, who uh, get involved, who get excited, and also who think their child is the best. Uh, Now, some will say it publicly. Some will only think it, you know, and won't say it, right? Mm -hmm. But we, we, I have no problem with LeVar. All right, so that's Magic talking about LeVar. And I, I generally, I think, agree with that. If you made a list of 20 reasons why you wouldn't draft Lonzo Ball, LeVar probably is on it, but he's not near the top. Actually, I would say LeVar's definitely on it because there aren't that many reasons right. not to draft, draft him. Lonzo. So that's the thing. You've got to come up with top five easily. Right, so you have, um, you have that. Where I think the LeVar – I don't think LeVar is going to be – problematic in the sense of like the lakers can't handle that type of, it's like come on Shaq, kobe uh, the lakers have never had problems with big personalities the only thing that does make a difference is you have a guy who is by definition all the controversy is going to come off the court like he's not he's not the player it's one thing dealing with the player it's another thing dealing with the uh, a, a thing that happens off the court and i actually think most of the stuff that will be controversial over the next couple of years with with lavar will have very little to do with Lonzo. It could be, you know, have the brand. It could be, I, I don't think he's going to pop off about playing time. See, I don't... I, don't, I, I, don't th- I know we disagree a little bit. I, I don't agree uh, But I, I don't because think... I, the brand and what happens on the court are synonymous to me. Like, they can't be separated. And if he's unhappy with how Lonzo is used, theoretically, he's going to be unhappy because he thinks that affects the brand. And how he's setting up for the other two kids. Maybe. So to um, me, there's not, actually I'm, no I, separation. I recognize the possibility. I just think there are going to be more things that probably come up with, you know, something controversial with the brand related to, you know, UCLA and eligibility. What he says about, you know, the the other kid, all these other all this other stuff that because Lonzo is connected to, you know, Lavar and Lavar is making headlines, even if it's not about Lonzo, it's still going to become this sort of thing. Um, I, I I I'm not not drafting Lonzo. The, the parts about Lonzo that are, I think, probably more worth talking about. I I've finally gone back and started looking at clips and scouting reports and all this other stuff because I don't I'm not going to do it before I know they have the pick. That's just a waste of my time. He's the one thing that people who love Lonzo, people don't love Lonzo, whatever, agree on is that he's not a Steve Nash type. Put the ball in his hands with at twenty seconds, and you just run pick and roll until he gets the look that he wants. That's not the the player, and I think in the heads of a lot of people who maybe like me don't watch a ton of college basketball, that's the image that they have of him as this sort of floor general point guard. He's brilliant at in the break, but in the half court, he's just as well suited to play the two as he is the one. And that I think the the packaging of the actual player to me, I think, has been. Is is 
I don't think people have an accurate view of what he is. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who just take sort of the the image of you know a modern day point guard. Lonzo's being talked about as a pure point guard, which some people disagree with in and of itself. Right, exactly. But we live we live now in the in an NBA that is point guard driven in a pick and roll way. So people assume if he's a point guard that you that you project playing really well in the NBA now, then he must be a pick and roll guy. I mean, where he's really deadly is in transition, Correct. and wh- where I think actually he fits very well for what Luke wants is his natural instinct is to push tempo, much more than D'Angelo Russell, who tends to slow things down a little bit more. He's more of a prober. He's more of a guy going in and out, and, and that's not a problem necessarily, except it's not really the way Luke wants to play ideally. Like J- Julius Randle runs mm-hmm. a break and pushes tempo more naturally towards what Luke wants than D'Angelo does. Yeah, no, it's it's and something Luke's talked about during the season for sure. And I, the the thing is, for me though, is like there when you break down like that kind of stuff, what he's talking about in transition, that the the way he moves, and like it's not that he can't run a pick and roll, and you, maybe some of this is system based and how they what they want to accomplish in that UCLA offense isn't you know, and he could do other things, just wasn't asked to do them. I all of this says to me. It's actually good news for the Lakers because it makes it easier for those two to play together. They become more interchangeable. And assuming they can defend, um, and there are questions about Lonzo defensively, and there are obviously questions about Russell defensively. And, and I mean, all it's that. a reason why if you end up taking Deer and Fox, I guarantee defense is going to be, you're just picturing, okay, in five years, does this become a backcourt? that has the same questions about da- like with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Right. Where defensively you're always going to have issues with the two of them. Right. Together. That's why you that's why the Lakers didn't take uh Okafor. Right. And they took Russell instead because you could just see it coming. A Randall Okafor front court can't play together in the fourth quarter of any game. It's going to be tough. And so you can't draft a guy that you know can't play with a guy you just took a year ago. Um and so that's one of the reasons that they didn't do it. And so you worry about that with Lonzo and and Russell, but if let's assume for a second that they can figure that out, some people think Lonzo could be a pretty good defender. Whatever, um, certainly Russell has the length at least to do it. Well, they both have length. Offensively, it actually works better if Lonzo isn't Steve Nash and he's more of that guy with a little bit of Steph in him who can you know run a pick and roll, maybe break people down a little bit, and that's not even that's not his no. His real game, but he can shoot from the distance. From the distance, he can sound like mom. <laughs> he can run the floor. He can spot sound up. Like he an can, immigrant version of mom, like mom coming shoots, over from the old country. He shoots from the distance. <laughs> um, it's like mom, mom's grandma coming from Poland. Oh, yeah. Nice lady. <laughs> she, mom's grandma. She, well, one of them at least. Our great grandmother, Grandma uh, Sophie. Grandma, grandma Sophie. Sophie. Uh, not a nice woman. No. Actually, told our mom on her wedding day. White was never your color. And she True story. Yeah. My favorite Grandma Sophie thing, though, other than when she told Benny, our grandfather, that a nice son would buy his mother a house in the Florida, <laughs> 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 which I like specifically in part because of the Florida. The Florida. There was a lot of um, the inserted right, in front of, in of the everything. The Florida, um, to which you said, if anybody's getting a house in the Florida, it's going to be me. <laughs> um, her greeting to people at the table when she said you know, she'd come out, we'd all sit down. Guess who saw me today? <laughs> yes. And that was not her old world, like whatever. That was her because she was that self-absorbed. Guess who saw me today? Uh, like, lucky them. The other great part of Grandma Sophie is how she would, on a regular basis, rank you, me, and our two first cousins on that side. Pretty much. In the yeah. order that she liked us to our faces. Yeah, she wasn't shy. <laughs> you were consistently Not, two. I was, I was consistently, consistently three. two. And cousin Rob, who was a suck up beyond. Yep. Boy, will do anything for a dollar. Um, yeah, he was always one. Anyway, spinning it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, people want to know about our, you know, you know, we about our lives and our and our and our background. I don't remember what we were talking about though. Can you remind me? Uh, Lonzo Ball. Um, you were talking about the pick and roll. Oh, or, right. And, and playing together, like I actually, it's it's, a, it's good news for the Lakers that their styles actually work because they become that much more interchangeable and difficult to defend. Um, so I, I'm on board. I I, I know. I, I think Ramona was saying it's fifty fifty inside the building and all that. 
They'll get him in. He'll work out, assuming he doesn't just bleep up the workout beyond description. Or they don't see things that they that they they that they aren't expecting. I think they're going to take him. I think you know if this were Vegas odds, you'd have to put down a lot more money uh, to 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 win on they'll take Lonzo than you would on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends in some ways, like who wants who wants Lonzo versus who wants say Josh Jackson or Deer and Fox. Like right. you know, depending on how many high ranking basketball people or you know Luke's vote, for example, you know where all this comes down or. We may get an idea of ultimately, you know, does Magic have the final say? If say there's like a like a sixty forty or sixty five thirty five split, but Magic is on the thirty five side, you know, does does ultimately his final say right. go? And I, I last thing I'll say, if they trade, I think the likelihood is if they don't have Lonzo, it's because they traded out of the pick, and they decided De'Aaron, It's not that Lonzo screwed up the the workout; it's that De'Aaron Fox came in and just crushed it. Right, and you know they had a, a combo, combined workout with three other guys. Fox comes just destroys that workout, and they say, you know what? We think this guy is ninety five percent of what Lonzo is going to be, um, and we can get pick up the the five ten and Willie Cauley Stein is the the trade I always throw out there. Um, other news that Magic Johnson was making, and this was interesting. He was on with the uh, the morning guys. I believe this was on Thursday, talking about the young core and who might be traded and who isn't going to go anywhere. Well, I would say probably the only player that we would say, hey, that we would probably not move is Brandon Ingram. You know, I think that uh, we're excited about Brandon, his length, his size, his uh, agility, his athleticism. And then when you think about, you know, he's... (laughs) You know, he was a baby coming in in his first year last season. And we see that uh, he really has a, a high ceiling. And um, we're excited about what he could possibly turn into. All right, so two questions there, Andy. First question is, um, do you agree? And second question is, would you put anybody else on that list? Do you um, agree with Brandon Ingram as untouchable, and should someone else be on the untouchable? I think Brandon Ingram is as close to untouchable right. I mean, as anybody on this roster should be. I mean, sure. I, I don't even mean like the theoretical LeBron trade. I'm talking right. just about what they've done and what they've shown. I agree with you. Brandon Ingram is absolutely the closest. I mean, I think D'Angelo Russell was their best player last year, all in all, particularly after the Lou Williams deal. But if I think if you look at ceiling and work ethic and personality, all of that stuff, I think – you look at Ingram the last couple months of the season, he was really he's good playing well. I mean, he's averaging around 13 points a game. Yep. You know, he's, he's setting about three assists a game. Shooting percentage was Shooting going up. Percent- all that stuff and, went And up. then and how he was getting the points. I was going to say, you could see too. him start handling physicality better, you know, and improve the ability to more, drive the lane. more. Exactly. Beyond Ingram, nobody on this roster should even be considered close to untouchable. Sure. And I say this as somebody who thinks. D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle in particular, you know, Vitsa Zubats, I think they all have a pretty significant amount of potential. Yeah, I, I think... You the, and I have been, generally speaking, I think, pretty bullish on the core. I think, look, I, the, the, the impor- where we're bullish is, I think, in the sense that I don't believe that there's a player, you know, of the Media Guide 5 last year. Now you can add Zubats, who is not going to have a long NBA career. Mm-hmm. I I'm not guaranteeing they're all going to become all stars and stuff like that. I, I, it's really hard to be an all star in this league. None of them are going to be flops. They're none of them are going to be busts. They're not going to be Anthony Bennett. There's not a Hashim Thabit in this group where you're like, we don't know yet if he hits the mat. You know, he could be gone in two years. He could be great in two. All of these guys are going to have long careers. That in and of itself, is a win for the Lakers because it means you can have these guys on a roster. You might have to go out and get a superstar when you're hoping one of them would grow into it, but it means that all of these players will be useful or potentially useful players on a, on a good team or as chips to get other players that you might need that are better fits or whatever. So in that sense, I'm very bullish. And the thing that about, um, about Ingram that I think is different is – when you kind of look around the league and you, and you see who the, the transcendent superstars are, they all have that thing that's kind of hard to replicate at their position. LeBron is massive. He's, you know, he's a power forward, 260-pound tight end who moves and does all these things like a guard. 
Um, so that's it. KD handles like and shoots like he's 6'3", and he's 7 feet tall. You know, all of these guys, Harden is very big and very strong for his size and has just that kind of unique. So you can go down the line, Westbrook's athleticism, whatever. Ingram is the guy that has the the most potential to be that, mm-hmm. where you say, wow, you know, in that package, he can do all this other stuff. Um, and so Russell even, who I really like and I defend uh, a lot more than other people do, not, not like Mike Trudell, but... <laughs> You know, I defend. I visit Russell Island, whereas Trudell is the, Trudell actually, Trudell is the emperor. Trudell actually sleeps on a D'Angelo Russell fathead. Right. That's it. On the floor. Like, he has D'Angelo Russell sheets. Right. <laughs> he's got all... He's D'Lo! Got D'Angelo Russell underoos. Like, he's got the whole, the whole thing. thing. Um, and kudos for Russell for blowing up to the point where he has underoos. <laughs> I, we talk about... We make the comparison with Russell a lot as Mike Conley. Which would be a great yeah. result. Yeah. I would trade Mike Conley. Like there's there are scenario. I think Mike Conley's great. He's terrific. But I would trade Conley in the right. By the deal. way, Mike Conley uh, demonstrates what you said earlier. It ain't easy being an all star. No, because he is an all star caliber. caliber player. And but, but and that's that's what matters is all star caliber. The other reason too that I think Brandon Ingram is as I think close to untouchable as any of the young core uh, can be is because you can picture him playing in so many different spots. Yes, which with means different players. Right, which means right. depending on who you bring in, there's always a place for Ingram. Right. It's what makes Giannis so valuable. Right. Like, what makes Ben Simmons, you, in theory, so valuable. You can picture Ingram anywhere one through four. Like, some places are easier than others. Yeah, I, I look, pi- I, one is a bit of a stretch, sure, but, but you I understand. Can picture, I get what you you're saying. I get what you're saying. It, it's not, it, you don't look at it and go, no. It's not absurd. Right. Um so guys like that are hard to come by. One last thing Magic said that I think is is kind of interesting before we move on to um, the press release news of this week, which got CNN's attention at least, um, was this. And it's really the first part of the clip that's important. This is Magic talking about you know how fast things are going to get better. We're not really trying to put a timetable on it. Look. We we got to make everybody's got to get better over the summer, and that's what we told them. We we felt that the body fat that uh, we had too much body fat on everybody, so we want everybody to drop that body fat, get into. Right. So then he gets into fitness and all these other things. So the key part, and by the way, there's gonna be a, just a massive amount of body shaming going on at the at the facility this year. If you're if you keep a shirt on, if you got a couple extra pounds, Brandon Ingram has no idea what fat shaming is, though. No. Well, he's looking. At, you gotta get my body fat down to the, what? The best part of this too, though, is you know if if this is a narrative and it's going to be and it's going to be this goal of the organization, is you're going to have a bunch of out of shape media hyper scrutinizing these players who show up with our calipers <laughs> like in amazing shape like we're going to be doing the written and you know verbal equivalent of circling fat spots moment on the lips there d'angelo like right? all people with like 30 to 40 maybe oh, even least, higher percent body fat we are it's gonna be hilarious andy you and i make the you know men of the media <laughs> you know 2017 calendar Ain't nobody walking there wants to see me with my shirt off. Uh, my shower doesn't want to see me without my shirt on. <laughs> You're Put like a back. never nude with shirts, right? Basically, my shirts. My my shower is like you got something you can put on, man. <laughs> um, and so the the key part of that was the beginning. And he's, we've heard Magic say stuff like this. They they are in major under promise over deliver mode, and I think they're they're building up 2018 with the free agent class and Paul George and all those other guys. As, as a much bigger deal than anything they're going to do this summer, which to me makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Especially after, you know, three or four seasons going after every single A-list guy under the sun, wildly missing. And right now, I mean, this is not this is not an organization that is set up to land an A-list free agent. You've got a coach that's unproven. You've got a roster that's unproven. You've got a front office that's unproven. And even if you think the potential is there, if I'm Gordon Hayward, for example, and I am entering the prime of my career as an all-star caliber player, I would be hesitant right now about putting the prime of my career in these guys' basket. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe, no, maybe I, next I, year. Maybe next year. Maybe next I mean, year. Of course, too. It's like Gordon Hayward has a good situation where he's in the second place where Gordon Hayward could go because, you know, he's not LeVar Ball. Mm-hmm. It's Boston. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, in your night with Brad Stevens, Gordon Hayward will fit in just fine. Absolutely. That's not an indictment of Gordon Hayward. It's an indictment of Boston. 
Um, now, Gordon Hayward, by the way, can be as mouthy as he wants. Yes. Like, if he wants to sell, like, the Triple G brand or something like that and get in, <laughs> like, and that brings is like in. like the least Gordon Hayward like sounding. Right. And idea Gordon Hayward wants time. to bring in, like, some very over the top, uh, equally white relative to help sell that product. That's fine. Gordon Hayward in seems Boston. like the kind of guy that would have the least intriguing posse of all time. Just. They you know, all just have really, really great hair. They're all named Gordon. <laughs> they all have just terrific gelled hair. Wouldn't that be weird if Gordon Hayward only like only hung out with other Gordons? Like that was his thing. Um, you just lose out on options. I mean, there, there, there aren't, aren't that, many. No, just it's Gordon Hayward <laughs> and the guy from Sesame Street. <laughs> all guy. Um, all right, so that doesn't look. You're a check. That's right. <laughs> he imports Kirichek as part of his posse. I haven't heard that name in a while. I know. Um, the news the Lakers made this week was the hiring of Gunnar Peterson to be their new strength and conditioning guy. Um, I saw the press release and I said to myself, the dude from TV? Mm-hmm. Like that guy? And it, it is, in fact, the guy from TV. It should be noted he does other things. He's trained many athletes across all kinds of sports and this, that, and whatever. What got the Lakers on the CNN crawl, though, was the fact that he's also con- he's responsible for toning and conditioning the Kardashians. It literally said, the headline stack on CNN, Lakers hire Kim Kardashian's strength coach. Right. Like, Which just goes to show you the Kardashians are more famous than the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, this may be a totally legit hire. Gunnar Peterson has, to my understanding, a very good reputation in the fitness community. Yes, he he does. But this nonetheless feels like the most (laughs) Lakery thing ever. Like, after, again, years of swinging and missing at every star possible, after hearing Jeannie say that it would bummer out if the Lakers didn't have a player representing at next year's All-Star game in L.A., after just knowing how big of star efforts this organization has always been and especially has been over the last decade plus or so, this just feels like the joke that writes itself. Like, basically, when the Lakers, when it comes to strength coaches, the Lakers don't rebuild, they reload. Right, like, it's, it just <laughs> sounds like magic. And, like, Rob, were, were watch, like, were they in the office late one night and they were watching TV and one of his commercials <laughs> came on. Like, what about that guy? I mean, and, and they, it's not. I mean, but they but both have a connection with him. They both have a connection with, he's, he's a Duke guy, Gunnar Peterson is. Magic, I think, has physically worked with Gunnar Peterson before, um, and all that. And, and he, again, he, the Lakers, to their credit, in the press release don't talk about the Kardashians. They talk about his extensive experience with, um, with athletes, which yeah, I Pete think Sampras in particular thing. has talked about his work with Gunnar Peterson. I'm, I'm not saying this is a bad hire. I'm just saying it feels so damn very Lakery. Um, and so where I think you can feel the I, – I don't – is he the best uh, – the only – he doesn't have experience at running a team – in terms of like the day to day, which means that, by the way, a, he fits in great with perfect, this front office. Exactly, and they'll need to find people with that sort of experience just on the day to day things. But you know. starting to become clear, by the way, if you have any experience whatsoever as part of an NBA front office, no you can look elsewhere. I, I respect how much that they're thinking outside the box. Every once in a while, it's good <laughs> you know. to take something out of the box. <laughs> like, there's a reason. That Sometimes the box... <laughs> things get put in the box for yeah, I mean, a reason. The box has thrived for a long time. It's not by Don't accident. Don't discount the box completely for I everything. love thinking outside the box, but... Sometimes know, just it's easier to get... The out. box is a staple. It's, sometimes it's easier to get things out of the box. Um, and so, <laughs> Take it out of the box. Um, if you're wondering, though, why the connection is there between Gunner and Rob Palenka, Magic Johnson, this was uh, Gunner Peterson on the afternoon show or the morning show, a show, talking about uh, his philosophy. Just don't judge whether or not you think the philosophy is correct or incorrect. Just um, listen to the words he uses. So my philosophy in the weight room would be keep them moving. Obviously, we're going to go through different phases, whether it's a, a hypertrophy phase, a conditioning phase. But I'm going to try to infuse the conditioning phase throughout on the macro cycle, on the big picture. It's not about, you know, the guys who bulk up and then add the muscle and then try to get lean right before camp. Those mm. days are gone. These guys yep. have to stay in shape year-round. And when you talk about the Pat Riley era, in fact, he's ahead of his time. And, and I think from a coaching standpoint, coaches hang on to and, and – have subscribed to his vision of that type of training. It's somewhere along the line with the distractions and and media and other opportunities that. All right, so he sort of goes on from there. Um, I mean, there, he didn't say commitment to excellence, and he didn't talk about rivers, but there was a lot of that sort of Silicon Valley, 
lingo and the forward thinking and the and the the levels and this and that whatever it, he is very you know obviously of that sort of new wave scientific oriented kind of thing and he speaks the same language as Palinka does and as magic does magic doesn't speak it but as a front office that they're trying to construct and so you see where the fit is on a personality level and i get in that once you hear him kind of talk you get the higher as i like to say they everybody in this front office now sounds like somebody that whenever they talk it's with one of those headset mics and they right. always have it on 24-7. Even Tom, if the thing, they all look like Tom Cruise and Magnolia. Right. Even if the thing isn't actually on, they keep it on their head. Like, the, And they just always speak into that mic regardless of whether it's working or not. Yeah. And so it's we'll see, that type of We'll speech. see what it goes. But it, it's just it's sort of indicative of, I think, of the type of the people they're going to bring in. And overall, I think it, it is very positive for the Lakers because, good Lord, they needed to modernize. Um, but every once in a while, it's going to allow people like us to make Gunnar Peterson and infomercial jokes. And by the way, too, and, and I want to make it clear right off the bat, this is not an accusation on my part in any way, nor do I have any type of knowledge of this sort of stuff. But, but one, of, <laughs> one of Gunnar Peterson's clients over the years has been Sylvester Stallone, who Ooh. I think we can all agree, pretty jacked. That dude yeah. has been pretty jacked over the years. He also, though, is somebody that has been connected to PED. Right. And so, I mean, And... He also is somebody who's been connected to Botox. And I'm not saying that Gunnar Peterson has been in any way a part of that scene. But if Brandon Ingram shows up to training camp totally chat, or if Luol Dang shows up looking 15 years younger and his eyebrows don't move, I'm going to jump to some conclusions. We just spent I, Brandon, there's a lot of bipro. I am going. <laughs> Brandon was really <laughs> drinking a lot of. Bi-pro. I am going to point fingers. Ingram comes in at two sixty. Yes, just jacked. Damn. <laughs> what you been doing? Lifting. Well, like you know, I mean, Zubots had some baby fat. If Zubots comes in, no, just, I think they could, they could, they could trim. But up I'm talking like he's got like a fourteen pack and he's just all <laughs> muscle. Stops cars with his abs. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna be suspicious. Yeah, no, shoot! I said, shoot the cannon at me. <laughs> By the way, too, shoot the cannon. By the way, too, uh, Gunnar Peterson has over the years worked with J Lo. Congrats, yeah. because she still looks phenomenal. <laughs> so, I mean, she's closing in on fifty. She looks amazing. Right. The, the, you know, they kind of weave in and out of it. The Kardashians are always in shape. Yeah, that's Say what you want about them. Um, all right, a couple more things we got to do. Uh, we are giving away a statue today in a, to a guy you may not expect, and so. Uh, we've got that coming up, a couple entertainment-related things perhaps that we'll try to get to. Uh, before we do that, though, Andy, uh, the the Cleveland Cavaliers have shoved the Boston Celtics aside like the Prime Minister of Montenegro <laughs> and, and will meet the the Golden State Warriors in the finals. I've been sitting on that since this morning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Single greatest piece of video of all time. <laughs> Out of my way, Montenegro. And it's so cool that it was Montenegro. Like a tiny little country that like why? Yeah. Anyway. Uh so it's it's the Cavs and it feels the, very the Warriors. A lot of things going on yeah. right now. I this is one of those deals where, you know, they, they had a couple little hiccups the Cleveland's did on the way to uh, on the way to the finals. Um I don't think a lot of people think this is going to be like last year where it goes to seven games and, and all that kind of stuff. I think people want it, but in their heart of hearts. Um, LeBron played as well as a human being can play in a finals last year. And they won, but they needed the Draymond thing to happen. They needed all this other stuff. Um, Golden State this year is angry. I think they understand that if they lose this year with KD after all this stuff, they will be considered one of the sort of poser-type teams of all time, big pretender, one one finals and three opportunities for the team that's supposed to be the greatest of all time. And by the way, whatever. they got that finals against a Cleveland team, team that was, was all missing, beat up. missing its second and third right, and Surprisingly players. competitive at the beginning of, the, of, of that series. So, And they replaced Harrison Barnes, who was monumentally ineffective, with Kevin Durant, who desperately wants a ring. You put all those things together, and to me at least, I have a lot of trouble figuring out how Cleveland gets this to, say, seven games. I think it's going to be tough, but I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible that Cleveland can win this series. I mean, I, Not Gold, impossible. No, but no, I, but, I, but I mean, I you think mean it's like clo- realistic. I think it is closer than people think. 
I mean, even taking into account Golden State is rightly the favorite, but the Cavs have the best player. And whenever you have the best player, you always have an advantage. And I think that Kevin, you know, Kevin Love is playing better in these playoffs than he has in the past. Yeah, Kyrie looked, you know, had some spectacular moments in the Boston So I think series. that, in particular, he's coming off a really good series against yep. Boston. And I think if Kevin Love can play really well, then all of a sudden the margins, they shrink a little bit. Again, they still exist. I also think, too, the Mike Brown factor, I think that matters. Because you and I both love Mike Brown You're as a person. not going to have a lot of trouble getting Lakers fans to agree with that. Yeah, I mean, we both love him as a person. And I actually think he's a really valuable part of a staff. I think any staff would be lucky to have Mike Brown, particularly defensively. But I don't think in-game adjustments are his strength. And more importantly, there's a buy-in factor that I don't know if he automatically has that Steve Kerr had in the playoffs. And I think if Cleveland can get off to a great start. If they can win game one, and all of a sudden they turn the buy-in thing into something that Golden State has to deal with, and they can put Golden State on their heels a little bit and actually make them have to make adjustments in a way they have not had to during these playoffs at all, I think they have a shot. I think game one is huge in this Yeah, I, mean, I think that's the formula. I'm not as concerned about the buy-in as you are, but I, I mean, I think ad, whether you want to call it buy-in, whether you want to call it adversity or whatever, I think if you can get them That's where I think buy-in a matters, little bit, though, yeah, is right, with adversity. I, I don't think buy-in is a problem, but I, I just think adversity is something they haven't seen and therefore could be something that that could be a weakness. How do you respond? If, if you, go, you lose game one and you go down by 10 in game two, how do they respond? Um, that's the formula. Um, I have, I'm, I have it in six, but I always judge it based on if I had to, you know, is a six game series about people that's very close to seven. If you put a gun to my head and said five or seven, I'd go five before I would go seven. And so I, 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 I kind of call it a soft six. I just with assuming nobody gets hurt and assuming Dray- Draymond keeps his feet together, um, he's, Ticked and looking, you know, to re- for redemption. KD is on fire for a ring. The whole organization understands what's at stake. I just don't think Cleveland's good. I don't think they can defend, and that's part of it. That's going to be really difficult. I mean, you know, the, I mean and, how and they Golden match State up defensively, defensively has been unbelievable. Well, there in these there is a reason Golden State's the favorite. I'm I'm just saying seven points better in defensive efficiency well, I, in the playoffs. Again, they there is a reason they're the favorite. I just I think Cleveland is talented enough and LeBron is so damn good that I don't if the very least I don't picture this a walkover. All right, so along those lines, this is you know the you want to do the, the Kobe Pippen LeBron yeah, thing sure, real quick. Just a few minutes, right? The so Pippen said I think we're contractually obligated right, in Los Angeles somebody to talks, acknowledge right, this. If somebody, right, so we got to get that thing out of our contract. <laughs> Stupid clause. Really I don't know why we agree to that. Um, so Scottie Pippen goes on, I think it was with Bleacher Report or something, and said that Kobe LeBron hasn't passed Kobe yet. Um, the big argument this year is if LeBron wins again, particularly with this team against that team, does he pass Jordan? Um, but let's put that aside for a second because that would answer the question we're about to ask here. Has LeBron passed Kobe? Pippen said no. Let's skip the this is really stupid. A, we hate these types of arguments. B, mm-hmm. they're stupid. C, on a season-to-season, game-to-game basis, LeBron James is better than Kobe. I would agree. Uh, what this gets to for me is what do you like of what era, like kind of what players and what era form your sensibility for what achievement in basketball is supposed to be? Because I guarantee you, if you took the people who think LeBron's better, and you took the people who say Kobe's better, and I know that group intimately, their worldviews of basketball are going to be different. And there'll be there'll be some overlap, but a lot where these people just don't intersect. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, ultimately, I, and I think Kobe is obviously one of the greatest players ever. I think he's top 10. Where he is top 10, I have no idea. I don't really care. But he's definitely top 10 of all time, in my mind. I mean, sure. it, I mean, or close. I mean, I, I don't think I, I hate making these. Sure, but yeah, it's I, not I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen enough of these lists where Kobe's in there or the people behind Kobe, and I'm like, I got no argument. But to me, if you if you just start getting into the eye test and context, 
to me, it's LeBron because a lot of people taking up for Kobe ultimately, they're in their mind, their their trump card is going to be you know five rings versus three or five rings versus four, and to me that's just reductive and stupid, because if you start looking yeah. at the context of the finals that LeBron lost in two thousand seven, the only reason that team was there is because of LeBron. Like it, it, I mean, terrible it, too. It was it's an one of the awful, worst finals teams. Yes, of all they got time. swept out of the, uh, the out of the finals by the Spurs. They were god awful. Right. Kobe has never taken a team. Frankly, MJ has never taken a team that bad to the finals. That's not meant to be used as ammo against Kobe or MJ. I'm just saying the context matters. He lost the first time to Golden State, missing his second or third best player. If Kobe had competed in the finals without. Shaq and Rick Fox are without Powell and Lamar. He's not winning those series. He just isn't going to get those championships. And, you know, Kobe had his first three with Shaq. And I don't mean this like, you know, those were Shaq's championships and Kobe was Robin. We all get, right. No, but some people don't. I want to make sure it's clear. Those were every bit Kobe's titles as Shaq's. And And anybody who says a team. Right. Anybody who says otherwise is stupid. But. LeBron never had a teammate as great as Shaquille O'Neal, another top 10 of all time, in his prime. I mean, even Wade, who's an unbelievable player, he's not Shaq in his prime. And those contextual differences matter. Because if you put LeBron on one of those teams, LeBron's getting a championship. What you're talking about is what I'm talking about. If you are, Kobe is of an era that didn't exist. For the last four or five years, Kobe was playing in a league you know when he was playing, he was playing in a league that didn't exist anymore. Like Kobe's style just wasn't where the where where the NBA was anymore. And in a lot of ways, the way we talk about basketball has evolved too. So the people who are most ardently the count the rings people, um, come from that era are of the Jordan sure. Jordan definition of greatness. Six and zero, oh, you will never you know never lost in the finals. 6-0, and undefeated, never went to a Game 7, all that kind of stuff. That's what matters, count the rings. Kobe, in, the, in terms of the people who would defend him, right, the, tends to get, grab people who gravitate toward that argument gravitate toward Kobe. It is sort of, it is sort of the it, ISO basketball equivalent of debate. It is. It is because and that's, that's, it's, that's what it gets reduced to, whereas now we look at more context, where, and that's, that's how we look at stuff generally, not just – you know basketball, and so that's what I'm saying. It's just a, it's a referendum on how you see the game. I think it's a pretty clear, objective choice that, or you know, sub, uh, subjective, whichever one means it's pretty clear that LeBron is statistically better objective. than Kobe, and right, it's not subjective. It's statistically superior to Kobe, and the playoff accomplishments are pretty damn close. Um, so. You know, um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how people react with these type of arguments, win or lose. And my guess is, for most of the people making the debates, they will continue to uh, ignore context either way. Completely. Um, and then we'll really the, the the bleep storm is really coming if LeBron wins this year. Yeah. Because then the you know winter may be coming for the Jordan folks, and um, that is going to be the debate to end all debates. I'm looking forward to it. Um, let's give away a statue, Andy. Yes! Uh, we have not done this in a little while, and I want to focus on a guy who uh, we've always given to people who've been on the team in the past, great Lakers, uh, bit players, whatever, but not guys who are as recent as this person and who may actually still be on the team next year. We're going to give a ta- statue today, Tyler Ennis. And the reason is we spent a lot of time, the whole top of the show, talking about the number two pick, what the Lakers are going to do with it. The reason they have it, you can argue, is because of Tyler Ennis. And this is after we ripped the guy, ripped him for the last part of the season when all he was doing was going out and trying to win basketball games and preserve his spot in the NBA instead of trying to keep the Lakers lottery odds as high as they could possibly be. There was no eye in team for him, but there was an eye in Ennis. Mm -hmm. And I think we all knew where he was. And as it turned out, Andy... Tyler Ennis was the reason the Lakers got to keep the pick because had the Lakers had Phoenix's lottery combinations, they'd have fallen out, and the Lakers would not have the pick. And so we actually owe it to Tyler Ennis 
that the Lakers are picking at number two this year. And for that, Andy, he deserves a. Stage. Yeah, I mean, the, these are the type of exceptions. It's our way of saying we're wrong. Well, it's a, yeah, these are the type of exceptions to the rule that you know make it so Kobe has not yet been given a statue by us. Yes, but Tyler Ennis would. Right, because in, Tyler Ennis is more valuable. Exactly. <laughs> Tyler Ennis has, in his own way, contributed more to the organization than Kobe ever did. <laughs> I still think you take Kobe's statue, you plant it in the middle of center court, and you just make people play around it. <laughs> that would it's like, be. It's like, you know, in Houston, like in, 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 they have that hill in the outfield. Mm-hmm. It's the same basic thing. Ground rules, man. In a lot of ways... That actually would be the perfect way to do it. It kind of would be. It's not even a metaphorical shadow that he would cast. You literally just take Kobe and you plant him in the center court in bronze and you have to play around him. That actually is in a lot of ways. It's a perfect metaphor in a lot of ways. (laughs) Um, My statue for Tyler Ennis, um, it's going to be a little bit shorter than life size um, because let's not get carried away here. People know the rules of the game. The size of the statue and the proximity to Staples Center, um, that reflects what you meant to the organization. Right. We're giving Tyler the statue, but let's not go nuts. Here. Okay, so he's going to be in fair. the he's going to be in the five foot range, and the statue is going to be in Van Nuys, specifically um, off Sherman Way, right in front of the building that is the local headquarters for the Cal State Lottery. Ooh, in, that's in good. Los Angeles. I like that. All about lottery and ping pong balls. That feels befitting. That was to good. Tyler Ennis. I like that. That is a, a clever idea. I am. Uh... Going a little off the grid. I know this worries. He's always concerned you. You've seen um, Empire Strikes Back. Not a big fan of when you think, Brian. <laughs> a few, Not a big fan. Few people are. I'm the opposite of of Butch Cassidy. You just keep thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen uh, Empire Strikes Back. You remember when Han was was frozen in carbonite? Yes. And his front half. I am going to take my stature. Tyler and this is a sort of front relief of of him. And you take it and you put it in the back of Lonzo Ball's locker, like um, sort of like he'd be like like Tyler's frozen in carbonite. So basically, it'd be like what a car door looks like when it's open, essentially. Yeah, off the just, locker. you just right, you just sort of see this sort of sculpture, like a bust, almost of a life size bust of Tyler Ennis inside the locker of Lonzo Ball, and so every time Lonzo is interviewed. On TV, pregame, postgame, whatever it is, you see Tyler Ennis behind him in bronze to remind everyone of why Lonzo is on the team. And what makes this even cooler is that if Tyler Ennis happens to be on the team next year, he'll be both a statue and a player. Um, so that's how I'm doing it. Like, because his value to the, the franchise isn't really in his play it's in that he it's in this number two pick and so he wherever the number two pick goes or the guy they get for the number two pick whatever it is tyler ennis should be immortalized there as well so basically if say lonzo got traded to indiana for paul george paul george's eventual locker would have tyler tyler ennis in it as as well interesting yes now what what happens though i guess once like all the players connected to this number two pick are eventually gone what happens to the statue? You auction it for charity. <laughs> okay. Right, you know, that, actually, you know what you do? You take it back to Canada. That's where Tyler's from. Oh, okay. I forgot about it. You didn't that. know he was Canadian? No. He, you know, he, he does it. He kind of lets it slide, but I, I caught him one time in an interview referring to the Lakers as the organization, mm-hmm. which is among the most Canadian athlete things you can possibly say. All right, well, the that, organization. That's definitely, that's where I'm that's putting definitely a creative and yeah. less dumb way of doing it than some of your other statues. So Thank I like you. That. I appreciate that. Uh, before we go, a couple little entertainment things. First of all, we don't need to talk about this, but I do want to acknowledge that in my favorite Price is Right game, uh, this week... A guy, I think his name is like Doug or something, won $31,500 playing Plinko. Huh. The game, you know, where you drop the chip yeah. into the thing. Thirty-one. He got three ten thousands on a 1500 It set the record, the all-time record for Plinko. And everybody, it's, Plinko is overwhelmingly everyone's favorite Price is Right game. So this well, was that pretty Well, that and the guy, the yodeler. I don't know. People if they like the Yodeler. You know, the only thing that I, my only reaction when you told me that news about the Plinko guy um, was, was it fixed? And you I, can't and fix I fixed Plinko. There, 
you would you, think that you can't. You would think Plinko that. is like one of the unfixable things of you our. You would time. think that, but I just listened to this Planet Money podcast about um, these Russian mobsters who managed to they managed to basically come up with this app that allowed them to figure out the the patterns of slot machines that are almost impossible to figure out but as you go. I, I would say and they is, were ripping off casinos. Fair it is easier to fix slot machines than it is Plinko. I don't know, magnets. I mean look at the like a sharp left turn across five anybody who's seen Plinko I've seen can't Plinko. Do it. You, right. You can't fix Plinko. Oh, that, I'm just saying that other than congratulations. Plinko is our last haven of true honesty. In in this world, um, so congratulations <laughs> no, you're to that. <laughs> I almost did. Is Plinko a sport? Go, <laughs> hot takes. Um, also, yesterday, Thursday was the 40th anniversary of the re- original release of Star Wars. My reaction to that is, holy, I am old. Yeah, like I, I mean, I I was five years old when that movie came out, and I was obsessed with it. I saw yeah, it were. in the theater like three or four times. I, I had every single figure. and Many of which are buried in the backyard at our old house. Yep. And th- that was the first movie. I wish that, we'd known they would be valuable. That was the first movie that made me truly love movies. Like it made me – that movie made me the movie fan that I still am today. Like that the, that was the movie that made me want oh, for to sure. see movies totally. all the time. Like. For a long time, you know, the 20th century uh, intro, the dun-dun-dun-dun. Oh, yeah, the, the 20th Century Fox theme I thought I, was only played for Star Wars I, th- I actually, for a while, thought that that was the introduction the, to, to every the, movie. Right, to the, no, just, I, 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 just, I just associated it with movies. I No, I associated it with Star Wars. The first time I consciously remember hearing that for a different movie... That is always followed by. Right. I heard it with something else. I was like, well, that's not right. That's the beginning to the theme to Star Wars. So, yeah, I mean, totally. It's just, it's also, it's crazy too when you see these type of movies. And I know some of this has to do with, you know, franchising and all the, you know, all these things that ESPN is involved. I mean, not ESPN, Disney's involved with. But when, when movies can really remain a part of a zeitgeist for so long. I mean, there was oh, a, yeah. there was a period like in the late 80s, early 90s, where it was fading a little bit before it got started back up again and now, you know, started back up again. But Star Wars really has never gone anywhere. And that's pretty amazing well, it's just, over it's, 40 it's, years. It's, it's a cultural reference point. In the same way, like, you know, certain – I the, the relevancy of things and the – the ability for certain things to stay relevant, this actually connects to, to something I at least try to get to quickly before we go, is it, it's, it's, it's hard for things to not feel like they're part of an era where you look at it and say, that just, you know, man, I love that. But, it, I mean, really, you go back and look at it now. It just doesn't hold up. Um, and obviously Star Wars, you know, it's flawed. It's not a perfect movie. Empire Strikes Back is better and – you know, George Lucas really sold out on the third one with all the cutie stuff and whatever. But in terms of its relevance, it really hasn't gone anywhere. And, it, you know, I was listening yesterday to Exile on Main Street, um, which came out in 71, 72, 72. something like that. Okay, so that's 45 years old. Rolling Stones. Right. One of the great albums of all time. That is 45 years old. Beatles albums are 50 something years old. And, like, my kids like the Beatles. Yeah, we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper. Right. You you want to feel old? Joshua Tree. The Joshua Tree. You too. 30 years old. That's 30 years old. Like, I don't think of that as an old album. It is 30 years old. Of course, I'm old. I'm using the word album. But, you know, that's 30 years old. Yeah, what I think is really great, though, is when when you were saying, like, you know, your kids like the Beatles. And, you know, my, my daughter, she's six. There's a lot of music that I listen to that she really likes that I didn't push on her. She just sort of picked yeah, it up. Like she loves, she loves Prince, mm-hmm. and she's starting now to you get pushed it on her a little bit in the sense that you played it around her. A I lot. did play it around her, but you know, she, there's stuff that I've put on that she's asked me to take off. I didn't, and I didn't put the, I didn't make the alligator eat that meat. I just left the uh, the meat near the right. alligator, and it turns out the alligator ate it. Right, but, but alligators like, but me. there's other stuff that she wanted off, and there's certainly other stuff that she didn't ask me to play no, over I, and over. I understand and over. what you're saying. I understand what you're and saying. And it's interesting to see, like, sort of what 
feels like it has a timeless appeal. Like last week, for example, uh, my daughter wanted to do a movie night. And she had caught me like a few days before that. Like I was just flipping channels in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> she had caught me watching porn. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so for movie night. Um, and the, she caught me watching like the last 10 minutes of E.T. And she's like, what is that? And I was like, oh, sit down, whatever. And I told her some of the backstory. And she liked the ending. And she asked if she could ever see the movie. So I started searching through Netflix. And it, and it happened to be there. I'm like, oh, you want to make this movie night? Yeah. She loved E.T. Yeah, E.T. E. is now, that movie came out in 82. It's now 35, 35 years, years old. old. And, you know, especially now in the age of, like, enhanced graphics and enhanced special effects, like, you wonder if you wonder if a less souped-up version of certain things will be able to hold a kid's imagination and their attention. She absolutely loved yeah, E.T., totally. e. which, by the way, too, feels great. As somebody who saw that when they were 10. Yes. And, you know, you saw adults love it. You saw kids love it. It's always it's always nice when you have that confirmation of, you know what, something I really loved, it actually was that yeah, good. Yeah, for sure. And, it's just, and it, it, it gives it, – time is a weird thing. Do this experiment. Which, is, which seems farther away to you? Something that happened in 2005 or something that's going to happen in 2026? Like, 2005 feels more current to me than 2026 does. 2026 is is closer. Like, it's, you know, that's nine years away. 2005 is 12, happened 12 years right. ago. So, like, things that happened in 2000, 2001, I saw when my kids are graduating from, from high school or something. Like my, my son's, like, in the class of 2030 or something ridiculous like that. I forget. I don't remember what it is. But, like, that, oh, my God, that's, like, a thousand years. What's actually... No, it's actually closer than like the year 2000, which feels more recent to me than that. So just we have such like time is a weird thing in terms of how we think about it. And stuff like this really drives it home. Uh, last thing, the the folks over at um, this kind of is connected to it because, you know, what holds up and what doesn't um, at IndieWire did a ranking of the 20 best TV comedies of the 21st century. Um, their top five. And so stuff that had to start in the 2000s, The Office, uh, Arrested Development. Veep, uh, Parks and Rec, and 30 Rock was their number one. Decent enough list. I'd swap out 30 Rock for something like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or Louie or whatever. The question, though, that always comes up, is this the greatest era of TV comedy? Is this the greatest era of television? I know you in particular love this sort of stuff. You know, We grew up in the 80s, Thursday block of uh, Cheers, Night Court. Um, Cosby? Cosby and... Family ties? Family ties, yes. Um, and it wasn't actually in that order. It went the other way. But I don't, I don't It remember. doesn't matter. But um, that was like the dominant – those were like dominant comedies. Well, it brought back the like sitcom. That. Sitcom had been yeah. dead for a while until NBC brought it back. And then they brought it back again in the 90s with like Friends and, mm -hmm. and it, that you know must-see Thursday. Right, and so there was some of that. Like Friends really of the 90s is really kind of – and The Simpsons really are the most enduring comedies. Am I missing something? Um, I'd have to take a look, but I mean, th there are others. I, I, I do, and again, I'd have I'd have to actually have a list in front of me in in the nineties. But I mean, uh, Frasier, yeah. Frasier, Seinfeld. So, okay, sure. Um, but so which I was mean, part of that sort of Seinfeld know, started 90s, I think right. in ninety or ninety one, right? So I mean, th that's definitely. I mean, when you think of the nineties in comedy, you're sure, think of Seinfeld. Seinfeld yeah, yeah, obviously Seinfeld, Friends, um, Frasier, Frasier, Simpsons. Um, there are others. There are others in there. So. Is this, though, the best era of TV comedy? Like, we didn't in the top five. Scrubs didn't make it. That could have. Louie was a great. Silicon Valley is on right now. It's a phenomenal show. The Office. Um, you're, you're the worst. You're the worst. Maybe There's there's a lot of stuff that's really Curb funny. Your Curb Your Enthusiasm was on this list. Um, is it better? Is this the best era of TV comedy of all time? It's great. I mean, it really is great, and I, I think you know platforms like Netflix and Amazon, or you know, just the expansion of cable with you know AMC and FX right. and all the because a lot of these shows are not network right. shows. I, I was going to say, Thirty Rock is the last network comedy that I've regularly watched in a long right. time. Right, I mean, Modern Family on ABC was funny for a while, but I stopped long, watching it a while. Long time. Ago. I mean, Thirty Rock is the last one that I kept up with, basically from start to finish. I mean, pretty much, and never really dropped off. No, no. It was always really really good but i mean the 
I've seen, you know, episodes of Blackish and it's good, but I don't watch it regularly. Um, you know, there, I've heard that, uh, that, uh, sitcom with Minnie Driver, I've actually heard is good. Oh, as well. right. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's, there's not really much on network that I, that I continually watch. This era is great. I would still give the edge to those seventies comedies. Right. Like the, the Norman Lear, uh, the Nor- all the Norman all Lear the family, stuff, all the family's good times, so good times. Uh, Maud, um, Mash, uh, Soap, Soap. Um, you know, I mean, just because I think the ability to consistently push ground the way they did and be as entertaining back when seasons lasted like twenty six episodes, <laughs> was unbelievable. Now, like a long season of something is around like eighteen or twenty. Oh, like, that- you know, that's, nothing that's, goes that nothing long. goes that far. But I like mean, thirteen is considered a long season now. I mean, thir- they basically did like a hundred of these things, right? I mean, oh, Golden Girls you need to throw in the eighties are the ones that matter. The eighties right. into the nineties, that's sure. a really good show. Um, but I think like when you take it, when you take a look at the groundbreaking nature of what went on, how funny it was, and how hard it is to maintain that level of excellence over so many episodes. Newhart, correct? That's the seventies. Seventies, yeah. I mean, it went. It started then the, the in, different incarnations of it stretched in the eighties, but I believe it. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore, Mary, was, oh was yeah, 70s. absolutely, yeah. Mary Tyler Moore. Um, Groundbreaking I, different ways. It wasn't as subversive outwardly well, as something as something was, like, but like the the fact that they had Mary Tyler Mary Moore. Mary Tyler Moore was exceptionally subversive. It, it was uh, what I mean by that is it wasn't as like soap, um, taxi shows like that are more outwardly weird in how they're structured some of the characters they included, whatever. Mary Tyler Moore's subversiveness came in the concept of having Mary Tyler Moore right. as a, a single, as a divorced, single woman. divorced woman in a sh- centering the show yeah. around that. It People thought that was going right. It, it wasn't so much. I, what I meant by it is it's not so much the dialogue or the weird characters okay. or whatever. It, it was the setup. I, I just would ultimately give that the edge. But I do think what we're seeing right now is really good. I think it's better than what we essentially grew up on or sort of formative grew up on in the 80s. I agree. Holds up better. And, you know, I think you can take individual stuff like, say, The Simpsons. You know, The Simpsons at its peak can stack up against anything Anything. that's ever been done. You know, I think peak Seinfeld can stand up against pretty much anything. Friends is actually Friends, Friends. Friends holds up pretty well. Friends actually does. The last couple seasons got a little weak, but the majority of Friends holds up, I think, the middle part of Friends, sort of peak Friends, I think holds, holds up, up absolutely. very well. But I think what we're seeing now, just I think as a collective, maybe better. What's amazing is how few of those shows that were on in the 70s would be on a network now. You could not put All in the Family on a network today. I mean, it would be, be on cable. Probably. I don't think I don't definitely, think but probably. All in the Family, in the way it was, in the way it was constructed – Maybe a little bit. You see networks loosening up a little bit on what they'll put up. But two or three years ago, four years ago for sure. I agree with that. All the family would have been on FX, not NBC or ABC or what was it? I don't even remember what it was. CBS? CBS. Um, so that to me is interesting. The freedom that you get from, from having all I also think outlets. what's really interesting too before it goes, just like the way so many sitcoms now feature ensembles. Which is really difficult to do. I mean, Cheers, by the way, another '80s one. We, yeah, we and, mentioned and, that in the, in the block. Oh, okay. Cheers can you know stack up against right. Cheers, which begat Frasier. Right. Which, um, I mean, one of the things that was so impressive about Cheers was how many characters it had and how well drawn all those characters are. And you look at something like, for example, Veep or Arrested Development, and you know how many characters they're juggling and how well the, of a job yeah. they do doing it. And it's amazing. Uh, so some, something interesting to think about, there is a ton of funny stuff. It's on IndieWire. We'll try to uh, tweet it out. There are shows on this that I have not actually had a chance to watch, You know, like Catastrophe on Amazon, which is supposed to be great, um, that I will get to. One show that didn't make the 20 that should have, uh, Everybody Hates Chris. Just throwing that out. I'll there. throw out Baskets. There baskets should have been on made the, list. the list. I thought it was, but it wasn't. I don't think it was. Um, so there there are our endorsements for where IndieWire screwed it up. We will be back with more draft stuff um, over the next month. Anything interesting happens, we'll certainly come in here. Um, and anything else? Nope. All right, we'll see everybody next time.